Come on. Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Jamie Hopkins. Jamie, are you ready to do this? Yeah, and I like that intro. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Let's do this. Jamie is a JD, CFP, CHFC, CLU, RICP, and LLM. So clearly a fan of reading, learning, and taking tests. He's the co-director of the New York Life Center for Retirement Income at the American College of Financial Services, as well as the author of the new book, Rewirement, Rewiring the Way You Think About Retirement. Jamie, we are excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, so it's a good place to start is the personal side, you know, I'm a Married with two uh, kids at this point and a dog, who really, well, I guess, was my first uh, first child. But uh, so you know, I have the growing family and uh, do a lot of travel, a lot of speaking. I have been a, a big sports person for most of my life. Uh, actually, just up until about two weeks ago, I was doing a, a, a run streak, which is basically how many days consecutively can you run? Uh, and I actually made it to three thousand and four days, uh, so it's a eight years, a little bit. And about wow. two about two weeks ago, I decided that that was it, and uh, just called it quits. Uh, decided when I woke up in the morning that was going to be the last day, and just stopped. So it was nice to be able to walk away from it and not get carried away from it too. <laughs> Got it. Now, when you go that many days mm-hmm. of running in a row. Were you slowly getting tired of it, or did you just wake up one day, kind of like Forrest Gump, and say, well, that's it? Yeah, it actually, it was a little bit like Forrest Gump, where I just said, you know, uh, that's it, I, I've run for long enough. But I, I did get tired of it over time. So, uh, you know, during the middle of it, I was doing Ironman races, marathons, Boston, uh, all those fun things. And then, you know, I kind of, uh, the fun kind of went away, and I just decided one day that that was long enough. So now I'm on to other things, you know, kind of kind of back, I guess, solely to focus on my retirement planning uh, job. So we're back on that side. Nice. So financial services is obviously an enormous field. So how did you decide to really focus on what you're focused on? Yeah, and, and that was kind of, a, I guess, a, a little bit of luck and a little bit of uh, intelligence. I guess you need a, a little of both there. So uh, I ended up coming to the American College. You know, I've been in a finance world, but private equity, really not personal finance. And so a completely different area. Um, worked in the appellate division, did tax and estate planning. So more closely related to in the estate planning world. And then all of a sudden, uh, I actually got a, a call about coming into the American College and helping building out the RICP, Retirement Income Certified Professional Program. And, you know, that really just kind of hit a note with me. I looked at that and I said, you know what, this is this is an area that's growing. And, you know, that was six years ago. Uh, and it was, you know, there's a lot of people started talking about this, the baby boomers, but there really wasn't any education programs out there on that. You know, I'd been through a lot of schools you mentioned before, really hadn't seen any of it. You know, CFP, you talk about retirement planning, but most stuff was savings, right? How do you use a 401k and get the company match and all that stuff? Really important, not diminishing that, but we didn't really see that kind of what happens on the whole last 30 uh, years of your life 
when we say last, I'm like, well, that's that's a big stretch that we've been kind of ignoring. So, right. you know, that just hit a hit a note for me. I'd seen struggles with that in my family, other people's families. Uh, you know, neither one of my parents graduated from college and kind of ran their own business, don't have a lot saved. And I kind of saw, you know, that's going to be a really big challenge for a lot of people when they move into this income phase. And yeah, it just, uh, it seemed really, and I'm a builder, so uh, being able to build out a program seemed uh, enticing to me. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. What a, a, a enormous challenge and a huge opportunity, because um, like you said, there's not a lot of resources out there or available to people, and it's an area that people don't want to mess up, because yeah. you only get so many swings at some of these <laughs> decisions, right? Yeah, a lot of those are permanent decisions. You know, if you're kind of late for Medicare claiming stuff, it's it's almost permanent. Social Security decisions, really a one-time decision in most situations, right? Uh, if you're going to roll something out of a qualified plan, again, pretty much a one-time decision. A lot of those retirement income things are hard to fix. Like if we do something wrong, we're kind of just stuck with it. And you, for most people, it's not like we can go back to work and earn more money in our 60s if we already retired or 70s or 80s. So it is a lot more challenging than really saving for retirement, too. So with those you know, challenges also comes opportunity. Got it. So, so much to sort of, so much information to, to, to try to condense into a understandable conversation here in, in, in the amount of time that we have. So let's just talk about if you're sitting down with somebody or counseling them on designing retirement income or just what, what, what their retirement <laughs> picture looks like, what's, what's the starting point? Yeah, so the starting point really is your goals, right? And and that's part of it is you have to, you know, visualize and vision what you want in retirement. Really, retirement income planning is goal-based planning. So we have to understand what is it that you want, and then we figure out can we do it, and if we can, what's the most efficient way to do it? And so that's really where we start, right? And that's going to be the same if you talk if I'm talking to an advisor about building out their planning structure, is like, what do you want to accomplish from this, right? Do you want to retain clients for longer, make them more financially secure, feel better? And then if you're talking to an individual client, it's the, you know, what do you want from retirement? It really starts with those goals. And then we, I have a process and a planning structure that I use, and then we can implement that. But step one is always that, right? Figure out the goals. Got it. And do you find that, or is your perception that people have spent a lot of time thinking about that or maybe it's, oh, wow, okay, I, I should figure out what those goals are and what do I want to accomplish? Yeah, so I can see the smile on your face. The answer there is most people haven't really thought about this. And if you're talking to couples, often a lot of times they have vastly different views of what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is something, uh, there's some software and other tools out there we can actually, if you're an advisor, actually send that out before kind of the first meeting with the client, get them to fill it out, go through it. So at least they start that when you sit down in the room first time, it's not, let's talk about your life. And they're like, oh, our, we wanted to talk about that. I thought we were here about finances. And you're like, yeah, well, that's, that's finances are just there so we can accomplish the things you want in your life. Um, so yeah, most people haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it yet. You know, some people think, well, I'll play golf. Well, you might like golf one day a week now. All of a sudden, you got seven days. You can't play golf. You know, most people aren't going to play golf for seven straight days, but some do. Yeah. For example, if you were to take up golf, you would probably play seven days a week for 3,000 days in a row. <laughs> yeah, I might. So I should have. I always hedge saying, well, no one will. <laughs> I might. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's understanding 
obviously, we, we, we need to understand the quantitative stuff. We need to understand what your expenses are going to be. We need to understand how much money you'll have coming in, all the different sources and all that. But then it's also the qualitative stuff. It's really what what do you want every day to look like. And that's tough for people to get their brains around, but you, you need to figure that out. Yeah, and if because, again, if you don't figure that out, it's really hard, you know, as I said, to match up expenses, to match up you know, where you need income from. Are you willing to take more variable income, you know, in the sense of taking some risk? Well, if all of your expenses just end up being kind of fixed expenses you're not willing to budge on, well, then, you know, we've got to take that into consideration when building out the income plan that the expenses don't have wiggle room, so the income can't have as much wiggle room. Now, if you are somebody that's really willing to cut things when they need to be cut, that you like going on trips, but if it's a down year, you're not going to go on a trip. Okay, that's fine. Now we know we have some wiggle room, and we can actually use different strategies in that situation. Got it. So figuring out as best you can what your fixed expenses are going to be and when then then what the variable. So common ex- common examples of the fixed are going to be housing costs, automobile costs, healthcare, things like that. Yeah, and actually, uh, unfortunately, when I do that, sometimes you, you go down this list, right, and you say, well, housing fixed, well, our car is probably fixed, insurance probably fixed, healthcare kind of fixed. And then you say, well, cell phone kind of fixed. I definitely need TV. That's kind of fixed. All of a sudden, you're looking at this, you're saying uh, a lot of the studies say kind of 80 plus percent of retiree expenses are in the fixed category. Now, that typically means, though, that there's still wiggle room within a specific fixed expense. So while housing expenses to some degree, property taxes or a mortgage are fixed, you do have the option to downsize and lower that expense. You still need food. Well, you don't have to eat out every meal. You can make food at home and bring that down. And again, same thing with a car. Uh, That's one uh, for people who are saving for retirement. I say there's kind of two big things, right, that you should avoid. And one of them is buying a too expensive car. Uh, So that one's same in retirement. So if you're driving around, uh, you know, you finally decided you're going to splurge and you buy the $70,000 car, but you, you know, basically took out a loan for most of it, you you know, you're, you are having a negative impact on other areas of your life. Now, if that was a fixed expense and we're going to put that in as such, we'll fund it. But if not, right, can we go with another avenue here, maybe leasing, and you can lease a really nice car for four years and we don't have to fund out the whole thing. Or perhaps, when was the last time you rode a bicycle? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, so the fixed versus variable expenses is an important thing. Um, When you talk about the certain risks that people are facing in retirement, we think about the sequence of returns, inflation, and longevity as some of the big ones. Could you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, and those are probably, you know, three of the biggest five. And so, and one of the reasons that those three are really so important is because they're not risks that really impact us while we're saving for retirement. Now, inflation to a small degree uh, is going to be there. But generally speaking, people don't have to worry about inflation while working too much, at least not historically in the U.S. You have a job, your salary tends to adjust fairly well to inflation in the U.S. Not perfectly, but it does. And so, you know, I don't notice 1% to 2% inflation a year while I'm working. Now, 
in retirement, even a 2% inflation, right, could erode your purchasing power over a 30-year retirement. It could cut it in half. So all of a sudden, that's a really important discussion. If you're living on fixed income, whether you still have a pension plan or you're taking withdrawals, if you go too safe in your investments, right, that could become an issue. So that's a big one. Longevity, again, I don't really worry about longevity when I'm working. I say, well, if I keep living, if obviously I'm going to keep living past the day that I uh, you know, stop working, I think most people are going to feel that way. Now, some people say they're going to work to the day they die, but uh, reality, that's not true for very many people. Um, so that's, again, one that uh, isn't real kind of concerning while you're working. Now, the reason why that one's a huge issue, because that uh, creates one of my favorite sayings about retirement income planning, which I say is you know, retirement income planning is like trying to hit a moving target in the wind. It's moving up and back because of longevity, right? We don't know how long we need this income for. So it's, it's difficult to hit a target that might be anywhere within a 10 to 15 year range. And then there's wind because things are changing, inflation being one of them, market risk being one of them, sequence of returns risk, and then public policy risk is a big one too. And that one can be unfortunate because there's not always a whole lot we can do about that, right? If they decide to just cut back Medicare or cut back Social Security in 15 years, you know, you might all of a sudden say, well, I can't make it through retirement. Now, that typically just means we have to be prepared for uncertain events. We need to have some flexibility in the plan. Um, and as the other one you mentioned, probably the most popular one, at least among academics and advisors, the last 10 years is sequence of returns risk, right? That average returns aren't as important in retirement as you might think. It's really the sequencing of those returns if you're taking withdrawals from those volatile assets. So in down market years, stock market drops, you take a withdrawal from it, that sub substantially diminishes the likelihood that those assets will kind of recover in a timely fashion, and it drops down also your kind of uh, you know sustainability of that portfolio. And it typically is those first five years in retirement. So really bad first five years, your portfolio sustainability goes down. Good couple first five years, uh, you're in pretty good shape then. You can take a, a pretty decent uh, draw from your assets and it you know it's kind of amazing that kind of that's just bad luck right like yeah. there's nothing I can do about making the market better when I retire so we do have to be aware of that and you know there are some strategies for dealing with that but that is just a bad luck you did everything everyone else did you just retired at a bad time right that is very 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 bad luck so I believe I just read somewhere that um, a 10-year-old today is going to live well into their 100s um, and folks are living longer and longer. So I would have to think that that longevity risk, which kind of sounds like a silly thing, it's a risk that I live too long. You know, it's, it's sort of a benefit, but from a money standpoint, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a big risk because we're going to run out of money in, in, unless we properly plan. So... Is there a, a way that you counsel people to overcome that risk? Yeah, and so you can use a variety of strategies. Honestly, one of the best ones today is just defer Social Security as late as possible. Get Social Security to 70, 
that is a huge benefit for longevity risk. It's a really joint and survivor annuity with inflation protection, pays for your life. That's the first thing that almost everyone should do if they're concerned about that. Second is you can start looking at other annuity options. Now, consumers often have a problem with the word annuity, but they're very valuable. Academics have loved them for years, but the kind of adoption in the market's always been a little limited, and there are reasons for that. Giving up control, people don't like that. So there is some hurdles that need to be overcome there, but QLAC's qualifying longevity annuity contract uh, can add a, a substantial bit of uh, kind of longevity protection. There's research from Dr. Michael Finca, who's one of my colleagues, that's shown that, that you know, adding that in, uh, even to a fairly wealthy client, even though it's not a huge percent of their assets, adds a lot of longevity protection. So adding annuities, uh, lowering down your withdrawal rate. So spending less upfront allows assets to grow, last longer. Again, a reasonable one. And then the other one is a more of in line with a bucketing strategy, which is actually sitting assets aside specifically for longevity risk. Um, and that, and typically those are going to be higher growth assets. So we will have high growth stocks out for future years, not touching them, allowing them to grow. So those are, you know, that's kind of three or four reasonable strategies to help address longevity risk. But, you know, the the probably the simplest one is if we're going to start living to 120 and 130, you can't retire at 60. You can't retire at 62, right? You, you can't have a 30-year or 35-year working history and then fund a 40, 50, 60-year retirement, right? The math just will never work with that. Uh, it's You can't save enough to to offset that longevity. So today we're able to transfer some of that risk, do some risk pooling. Um, but eventually if you're living that long and the rest of the world still kind of functioning as it is. Now, you know, if you start talking to futurists and you say, you know, what's the world going to look like in the future? Well, maybe nobody's working. It's all robots and we're in the matrix. Who knows? <laughs> and a uh, completely different retirement. But Considering generally expenses and people are still working for the most part in the world, it, you just can't fund that long of a retirement by only working for 25, 30, 35 years. It's just not going to work. You would need a really good return on sequences. <laughs> sequence of yeah. returns, rather. Nice. Yeah. Really strong. Yes. Very. It's just basically just getting Amazon returns for you. <laughs> 3,000 days worth of good sequence returns. <clears throat> uh, well, Jamie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, so one of the difference-making tips I'm going to tell you about is uh, kind of tied to two things, but it's really just tax efficiency planning. That's one of the next frontiers for financial advisors uh, and consumers, which is Roth conversions, using defined benefit plans. Both of them have been substantially increased uh, in kind of their tax planning value under the new tax law changes. So doing conversions strategically to Roth over the next couple of years and actually saving for small business owners and DB plans. Uh, that's going to be a hugely powerful tool for, yeah, at least through 2025. That's going to be really beneficial. So I'd say both of those things, big difference makers. Excellent. Well, that is great stuff, and those can be very valuable tools. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So thank you for that. Well, Jamie, thank you for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you, and where can they find rewirement? Absolutely. So I'll say three things here. So requirements available on Amazon, print books, uh, and uh, kind of Kindle download. 
And yeah, you can just type rewirement into Kindle or probably into Google at this point either. Um, I do bulk orders for financial advisors. You really have to email me. Best way to find me then is either through my website, which is just www.hopkinsretirement.com. And then I'm also still a full-time professor at the American College where I run the RICP program. So those are really the three things about me in this space. Awesome. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jamie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Amazon.com, pick up a copy of his book, and find him at HopkinsRetirement.com as well. I can certainly vouch for the content on the site as well as the great ideas and the solutions that are found inside the book. So thank you again, Jamie. Yep, thank you for having me on. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.